You don't want to come out of the gate like, wait, what? This is a terrible offer. What is this kind of crap? This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. Two things to discuss before we get into today's question and answer. Number one, for those of you who have listened to this show for a while, you are probably familiar with Emily Karen, sports business reporter for Sportico, and one of my favorite interviews from back in April. It's a great conversation. You should really check it out if you haven't. I bring it up today because I now religiously read Emily's bylines. I love her style. I love what she covers. And she had one of the greatest posts in the last week. Headline, women betters outperforming men via less emotional wagering. Now, I didn't even need to read the article. That was part of me that was like, yeah, I didn't know this to be true, but it surely seems like it is. It harkened me back to every bet I've ever made, every March Madness pool, every Super Bowl, every random Thursday night Mac football game, and recalling just how stupid of a gambler I am for exactly the reason she articulates. Decisions based on emotions and who I want to win and instinct versus data and reason. (laughs) My wife knows nothing about sports and is a far better gambler than I am. So congratulations to all of our female listeners Yet another thing you are likely way better at than I am. Second, coming up on Wednesday, we have the greatest fusion event in the history of the Work and Sports podcast. Yes, it is our first fusion event, but it's also amazing and will be hard for me to beat if I ever do this again. What the hell am I talking about? Two of our most popular guests of all time together in one show. Callie Franklin, overtime elite SVP and head of talent and recruiting, joined up in one podcast episode with John Ferguson, VP of People and Culture for Monumental Sports and Entertainment, the ownership group of the Wizards, the Cavs, the Mystics. I mean, they're amazing. Together, in one show. I am so geeked up about this. They're amazing. I love them both. They bring their all as always, so tune in for that on Wednesday. Actually, the third thing I want to bring up, another quick point. We just hired two amazing new staffers, Jacqueline Shin and Kevin Zwicker. If you start to notice increased production value on this show, credit to them because we're getting out from my very basic editing skills. They are amazing. Kevin will be working hard on podcast production and promotional elements. Jacqueline will be working on other social content and other, other, other webinar content and other great things that we are doing to enhance our content overall. So keep an eye out for their incredible AV production work. When I share promotional elements on our social channels, please share them with your network. We put a lot of effort into the creation process. They are super cool. Like I'm watching the stuff that Kevin and Jacqueline are creating now and I'm like, this is awesome. So we want you to share it around as well. So get after it, please. It helps. Okay. On to today's question from Kenton in California. Hey, Brian. I just completed an interview cycle for a job I was really interested in. I listened to your podcast and really nailed the process. Thank you so much. I had so much confidence throughout from your guidance and advice. My excitement continued to rise as I went further in the process and really liked the people I'd be working with and the projects I'd be a part of. Then they made me an offer. And it was bad. I don't know what to do now. I'm disheartened and worried. Do I have to accept? What should I do? Kenton, amazing question and a frustration many of you have had before and will after. Like, I've had this problem before, personally in my own life. So it's out there, it happens. 
I jumped us to the head of the discussion pile because I know time is of the essence for you and I want to give you some advice, so let's dig in. There's three things I want us to want you, all of us, collectively, to consider. The first thing is time. You need to respond in some way. Silence is not golden here. If it is nothing but cricket sounds from you, that is unprofessional and lowers your negotiation wiggle room. The most important thing you can do right now is to be transparent and ask for more time. So here's an example. Here's a script you can use. You can steal this from me. It's not really stealing. I'm just kidding around. Thank you for getting in touch. I'm excited to review the details when I receive the written offer. The salary is a bit lower than I was expecting, so I'll need about a week to see if I can make it work. That's two sentences. That is not hard to write. In this one email response, you've carried your enthusiasm through the conversation. That is important. You don't want to come out of the gate like, wait, what? This is a terrible offer. What is this kind of crap? You know, like keep it professional. Keep your enthusiasm high, even if you're feeling a little bit disheartened. You have to fake it a little bit in there, maybe. Make it clear you're not eye to eye right now and you need a little bit of time. You're saying that. The salary is a bit lower than I was expecting, so I'll need about a week to see if I can make it work. Every word, every piece of this little statement, this two sentences, has a purpose. There's no fluff in here. This is professional correspondence and puts them in a, a little on notice that you aren't thrilled. The first thing they're hearing back from you is like, yay, still excited, but I'm going to need some time because that wasn't as great as I thought it would be. That's okay. That's good communication, okay? Now, remember, you have some leverage too. Don't overplay it but they liked you enough to make an offer. They don't want to lose you either. Okay, so you have a little bit of leverage. You can take some time to make a decision. Everybody always puts themselves in this box like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I got to respond right away. Just professionally ask and say, I need a little bit more time. Maybe you don't ask for a full week, but maybe you say, I need three days. Okay, be specific. This email response will buy you some time so you can put together a plan. And you are being honest. The salary is a bit lower than I was expecting. I need to see if I can make it work. From here, your discussions can be wide open. You can come back with, yes, I'm able to make it work. Let's do this. No, I'm not able to make it work. Here's what I would need. This simple discussion, you haven't painted yourself into a corner. You've left your options open and you're communicating in a professional way. Great start. Next, two types of research. You have to do personal research. Now, I would hope Everybody does this before they get into the interview cycle, but I think you should do it now if you haven't. You need to spend some time in Excel outlining all of your expenses. All of your expenses. You need to know your baseline living expenses. How much does it cost you each month to exist? Seriously, I know it sounds dramatic, like to exist, but like you need to know how much it costs for you. The monthly bills are obvious, rent, food, electric, entertainment, but you also have to account for your yearly expenses. The yearly stuff are the ones that sneak up on you. Things like apparel. Like, do you have to buy clothes? There are shoes that you buy. I mean, there all the stuff you need. Healthcare, insurance. Like some of these things you might pay for once a year or twice a year or some of you every weekend. But you have to account for that in your overall plan for how much it costs you to live and exist. It's important, okay? Once you have a baseline of what living costs, You can take the salary they offered you and see if it is even feasible. Now, remember, it's not the yearly salary that they gave you divided by the number of months in the year. You have to factor in tax rates 
and healthcare contributions and social security and other things. You can get all that through living ca- cost of living calculators. We don't need to walk through it too detailed here, but don't just say, hey, they offer me 30000 a year. Divided by 12, that's this amount. Oh, okay. I got enough to live off of because you're not actually getting the full 30. Okay. Just so, just so we're all on the same page here. I had a job offer once in Seattle and on paper, the offer sounded really good. But once you factored in cost of living in that area, monthly expenses, et cetera, I worked myself through this research, right? It came up that I would only have $62 in discretionary income each month. That was a margin too thin for me. So I ended up saying no. You might find through your research that you're not even close and it's not going to get there. So be okay with the, the, the way that the results end up, okay? The next thing you need to do is professional research. Go to a salary calculator. There are a bunch out there. Figure out what your favorite one is. Try a couple out, whatever it is. Figure out what this job is worth in the location that it is. Because there's differences geographically and there's differences based upon what skills you bring to the table. What are your skills worth? You need to determine that as well. That will help you realize if their offer is fair or if it's below market value or if it's above market value. By the end of this research, you may find out their offer is fair, but it still doesn't pencil for you. Then you have to decide, will I change my monthly expenses and make life changes? Or is this just not what I want to accept? I'm going to look for things that are totally different. Or you may find out their offer is low. And now you know for sure you have some wiggle room because you have a leverage tool in your data and research. Put in the work that will help you in every conversation from this point forward. Okay, so what do you do next? How are you spending this time that you just bought for yourself? Next, after research, is planning. I heard a quote once from Bill Belichick, and it has nothing to do with negotiation, but I still think of it often, and it fits into decision-making. It's like a decision-making model. It's a super obvious quote, but sometimes the most powerful stuff doesn't have to be flowery. He was talking about roster decisions. A reporter asked if he was trying to be strategic when he cut someone, hoping to slide them through waivers and later put them on the practice squad. And he said simply, in his own deadpan way, when you make the decision to cut someone... You have to be comfortable with the fact that you will lose them. Is there another part to that, or was that both parts in there? (laughs) Strategies in this instance are really just hope. Okay, simple, honest, direct, right? In this case, when negotiating, you must be comfortable with the fact it may not work out. The data may tell you we are not there, and we're not going to be. The more you can convince yourself that you are trying to do what is best, but in the end, it may not work out, gives you a mental edge. It will give you an extra layer of confidence. That like, hey, okay, I'm not married to a successful result here. I'm married to the right results. That will make you feel okay. Sometimes saying no has to be something that you are very comfortable with and walking away from something. Okay, so now in the planning process, you have to decide a couple of things, but importantly, Where is your leverage? Negotiations are based on leverage. Need, want, all that kind of stuff. So go through your major accomplishments in your most recent position. How you've performed in the past is a great indicator of what you can do for a future employer. So summarize some achievements to show hiring managers why you deserve a higher pay. You've accomplished things that are more in line with a higher paid position. Be honest, another point. Industry-specific value propositions. Be honest about how you compare to the competition what unique value you bring to the table. If you have special skills that are very unique to this job, 
That is really important to make sure you are emphasizing. I've been hired for jobs before because I had a specific trait they needed. So make sure you leverage that because that makes you unique. Now, this last one, I don't really want you to pit one company against another, but knowing what options you have is important, right? You have to know in your, you have to know in your head, like, this is the first time I've come close in eight months to a job. Or I've had a lot of job interviews lately. Maybe I do have more options than I, than I thought, and I don't need to take this. I don't like the idea of pitting one company against another. Oh, I have this other offer. Better up your, offer, your rate. If I'm an employer, I'm like, good, have fun with that other employer then because then you're not serious about this job. Like I don't play those high schoolish kind of games. Like I'm going to go flirt with this other girl to make that girl jealous. Worked really well in high school. Well, not for me, for other dudes that worked really well for them. I could never do that. I don't like that technique. We're not in high school anymore. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Next big decision. What are you willing to compromise? Again, negotiations are about compromise. You're not going to get everything you want. Chances are you can always ask, but probably won't happen. So Are there certain benefits that they're providing that would make a lower salary worthwhile? If they're paying for dental and vision, take that out of your equation of how much you'd have to spend. If their budget is fixed and they can only offer so much in salary, well, try negotiating for other benefits that may help you out. What are you willing to give up on? And then also scale how desirable it is for you to work with this employer. When I was first coming into the industry and I got offered a job by CNN Sports Illustrated, their first offer to me, or their actually only offer to me, was terrible. But I evaluated it and said, this is the right move for me long-term. This will be on my resume forever. I want to work at this company because I think they're going to raise my knowledge to a level that will make me more marketable for my next job. I asked, does the team, the work environment, the company mission, does it make all take, does it make taking a lower salary worthwhile? The opportunity to move to a new city, to explore new things, to get new experiences. To me, it was. My long-term happiness tied in well to this job, even if it didn't pay what I wanted. So I was okay taking a less than ideal salary because that was a price to pay for the long-term gains I could get. And I'm very, very happy with that decision. That's not the same decision everybody makes. So put yourself in those shoes. How desirable is it for you to work for this employer? Will you t- are you willing to take some compromise moves? Maybe not. Okay. Next decision you have to make. How are you going to present your case? Right? You bought yourself this time, but eventually you're going to have to have the conversation with somebody. So I think the best way you generally is to have a conversation over the phone or in person or on Zoom, but that can be kind of tough. So my advice is look back at the information you gathered in the above sections, all those other things we talked about. Is the proposed wage lower than average? Do you offer a specific and valuable skill that can employers should be willing to pay for? So if you have those things, feel confident with a number you want to respond with and how you're going to deliver that message of what you do expect. Role play. Practice with somebody. Spend time planning exactly what you have to say and have a backup contingency plan in place so if they come back and be like, no, we're not willing to do that. Well. Are you going to continue to counteroffer? Are you going to walk away? Are you going to accept the initial one? Like, have these things thought out in advance, like a choose your own adventure. Like, if they say this, here's what I'm going to do. If they say that, here's what I'm going to do. Going through this process of role playing will make you more comfortable when the moment happens because those moments are hard. There's no way around it. Negotiating is difficult. Having those conversations with real people is hard. So just get yourself ready for it. Then you're going to negotiate. You're going to begin the negotiations. You bought yourself some time, but you got to step up during that window. You told them you need an extra three days. You told them you need an extra week. 
You got to be ready to deliver in that time. You got your research, you got your conversation starters ready to go. You know exactly what you're going to say and what you want to have happen. Now you're going to negotiate for one of two things, or maybe both negotiate for salary, right? Your first goal, I believe should be to move closer to your ideal salary, because by this point, you know what that number is. The most important thing in this is to start the conversation in the right tone and frame of mind, meaning you still are expressing your excitement about the position. You are indicating with that to the hiring manager that this is not a fight, this is not contentious, and that negotiating with me, getting me on your team, this person that is excited to be there and it brings all these skills to the table is a good idea for them. If you start out being kind of attitude, like I'm in charge and a little bit uh, difficult to work with, the other person's going to be like, yeah, you know what? I don't feel like giving you that. It's not worth my time. And you're proving to me that this is probably the wrong move for our organization. So stay positive, stay upbeat, stay optimistic and express your excitement about the position and then get into some of your data, present your case. Mention the salary research you've done. Suggest a rate of pay higher than what they offered. So, for example, here's a script for you. I've done some research on similar positions in the area, and it seems like the average salary is somewhat higher than this offer. Would you consider X? Pretty straightforward. Pretty clear. I've done the research. Here's what it says. I would like to be here. We're being clear. Transparent. Now, Here's an important thing. What I don't want you to say is, I did some research into my expenses. I spend too much on rent. My cable bill is very expensive. I like a really fast internet, so I'd like you to pay me more. That is not a reason that they're going to give you more money. That is not an an approach we want to use. That research on your personal expenses was for you to know what it costs for you to live. That is not something you bring up in the negotiation. That is initial research to know whether that offer is acceptable or not and how much more you would need to make it acceptable or if you need to make life changes. You do not want to say personal things that are expensive to you because then their thought is, well, maybe you should live somewhere that's cheaper or maybe you should have a slower internet or maybe you shouldn't have you know five video game systems and 100 pairs of shoes. Like, Don't give them that out to be like, this is that's kind of an immature approach to negotiation. Stay with the research you've done professionally into what's being offered for this job in other places. Okay. So if you do that, negotiating for salary and they come back and they say, Hey, um, we're a small business. We have a fixed rate on what we're able to pay people. This is established by the owner, whatever they're giving you is to, as a pushback, you may need to dial back and say, okay, let's negotiate for other things then let's negotiate for benefits. So now you need to start to pivot and start to say, okay, if salary can't change, then what about relocation package? What about more time off? What about more sick days? What about the ability to work from home a couple of days a month? What about a signing bonus? What about stock options? Throw out other benefits that you may be able to have some wiggle room with. Gym memberships, apparel uh, budget, you know, whatever it may be. Whatever you need for the role or anything that fits in or you know, magazines and tools and resources or whatever you need, like other ways to negotiate and get value to make it worthwhile to you. At the end of all this, you still might be in a position where you're going to refuse the offer. Hopefully, we get to a point where they're like, wow, I really like this person. They've come at this very professionally. I've enjoyed these conversations. Getting them on our team is worth it if it costs me an extra couple grand a year. That's fine. I want them here. Hopefully, you've made that kind of an impression. But if not, you might be 
in a position where you're like, okay, great. I gave it my all. I came with research. I tried to have this conversation and it still isn't happening. You have to be okay walking away. You have to be okay saying something better will come. And trust me, it's hard for you to see that right now, but I have missed out on or rejected at least five or six jobs in my career that I thought I needed in that moment. And every time I look back at them now and I'm like, wow, I am so glad that didn't work out. So be mindful of that. Thanks again for listening, everybody. I think this will help you as you're in the negotiation process or you get an offer that isn't what you expected. Go through this process. I'm sure it will really help you. Tune in on Wednesday for John Ferguson and Callie Franklin. They are amazing people and you will learn so much. So thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. And I will see you all on Wednesday.